Hello and welcome to the Faith Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast for Sunday, the 15th of May, 2022. As longtime listeners will attest, we strive to maintain a high standard of audio production each week so that everyone who joins us can receive the faithful teaching of God's Word without distraction or difficulty. Unfortunately, we experienced an equipment failure this week that resulted in the loss of the first several minutes of the sermon and prevented us from recording the rest of the message in the high quality you have come to expect. For future recordings, we have made arrangements for a backup recording system. As for this week, we decided to release what we have with just a few words of introduction to give context to Pastor Chris's message in progress. This week marks the third and final installment in our series, The Big Three, Common Lies We Easily Believe. We've all heard the fable of the scorpion and the frog. A scorpion wanted to cross a river but could not swim, so she asked a frog to carry her across. The frog hesitated, afraid that the scorpion might sting him, but the scorpion made her case pointing out that she too would drown if she killed the frog in the middle of the river. Persuaded by the logic of the argument, the frog agreed to transport the scorpion. Midway across the river, the scorpion stung the frog, dooming them both. The dying frog cried out to his treacherous passenger, Why did you sting me, knowing it meant you too would die? As the two succumbed to the whelming current, the scorpion uttered her last words, I am sorry, but I couldn't resist the urge. It's in my nature. That's just the way I am. Those fateful words echo through our lives. They have become so commonplace in our culture that hardly anyone even thinks to challenge them. Everything from the most insignificant gaffes to egregious acts with devastating consequences are all too easily covered over with those words, That's just the way I am. Everything from lying to laziness, from harmful habits to so-called lifestyle choices, are glossed over with those words, that's just the way I am. Sadly, we even hear this excuse used in the church, and not just from others. Be honest, how many times have you caught yourself falling prey to this lie? After years of wishing you could change some attitude or behavior that you know is wrong, you finally just give in and say, Oh well, I guess that's just the way I am. As we pick up with this message in progress, Pastor Chris urges us all not to fall prey to this lie. Especially for the follower of Christ, that's just the way I am is not an acceptable excuse. And that's not because certain weaknesses, um, negative traits, even genetic dispositions aren't real. Those things are real. I mean, there's absolutely struggles that, that you have naturally as part of your personality, as part of your personal humanity that other people don't. There are things that you and I are naturally in our humanity, our are our fallen humanity, outside of Christ I'm talking about, that we are bent towards. There are real genetic dispositions. There's no real denying of that. So I'm not saying that those factors aren't aren't real. And that's not why I'm saying 
just, that's just the way I am is not an acceptable excuse. That's not an acceptable excuse because no matter what may be present in us, God has provided the power for us to resist and rise above it instead of always being ruled by it. That's the absolute fact that we need to understand. Uh, And that's true of every believer. That no matter what we might come up against, no matter what we might have in us that, that so often does overcome us, we have the ability by Almighty God, by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, to overcome that which overcomes us. We all have that same ability and availability. And you might be sitting here and saying, yeah, I believe that, but... No, there's really no but to that. We need to say to God, like the person in the Gospels, I believe Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help me to apply that belief. To believe that there's nothing that you haven't given me power to resist and rise above. The reason that this is not an acceptable excuse, that's just the way I am, is because of what God has promised and what he provides. And what I'm talking about is found in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 and 27. I want you to to look at that with me. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. And we're going to see the reason for what I've just said, why that's true. You don't have to take my word for it. We're going to see what God has to say in his word about this and why I'm just, that's just the way I am. Why that's not an acceptable excuse for the Christian, especially. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. God's word says this. God promising this. Ready? Here we go. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone that stubborn heart of stone that says, oh, this is just the way I am. I can't change. Don't expect me to change. I can't help it. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh that can be moldable by God. I will place my spirit within you and, don't miss this part, cause you to follow my statutes. And carefully observe my ordinances. See, for the believer, those that come to God, those that commit their life to Him, they are without excuse. We are without excuse. We don't get to say anymore, that's just the way I am. I mean, the person outside of Christ, the unbeliever, they can pull that card. Because they don't have any power to do anything other than that. Other than to be the way they are. They have no help that all of us need to do anything besides being just the way we are. So that might work for the unbeliever. That's just the way I am. I can't help it. And they're right. Because we can't help ourselves in all the ways we need to. We need power from the Almighty God. But once we come to Christ, we're given all of that. We, we, We no longer have that that helpless heart that's just totally bent towards 
sin in our natural helpless state. We don't have that anymore. What, he's, what God promised here in this passage in Ezekiel is true for every single believer. Everyone that surrenders their life to God through Christ gets this promise. That we get a new heart. Not the, the natural heart we're born with that, that is born into sin and helplessness. We're given a new spirit. Not the, the same natural rebellious spirit that can't do anything but rebel against God's law and, and commandments and desires. We have a heart procedure that's done. When you come to Christ, every believer has undergone a heart transplant and a spirit transplant. So the old heart and the old spirit no longer are what we live from. We're given a heart that beats with the heart of God. We're given a spirit that is meant to be led and to resemble the Holy Spirit within us. So this is every believer's promise, and that means every believer cannot pull the that's just the way I am card any longer. It just doesn't work. It's not valid. And, and here's the other thing that this passage shows us. And it's something that I think we, believers, I mean, forget. And we need to recall this to our mind and, and believe this. This is so true. Here's what it is. God will take you just as you are, but he won't let you stay that way. You guys remember that old hymn? It was, it's usually uh, been an invitational song that was, uh, growing up, I think it was literally every service we closed with a song, Just As I Am, you know? And, I mean, that's an okay song because, yeah, God does take us just as we are. As we come to him with all of our sin and all of our rebellion and all of our helplessness and all of our hopelessness and all of our baggage, he does take us as we are. He doesn't say, hey, come back when you've got this thing figured out. He doesn't say, um, I'd love to, to accept you into my family and adopt you, but you know what? You've got so much junk in your life. You clean that up first, then we'll talk. God doesn't do that. Praise God he doesn't, right? So God does take you just as you are, but, and it's, but, 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 he won't let you stay that way. And here's, here's how he makes sure that we don't stay that way, the way we came to him. The Holy Spirit applies Christ's saving work to your life, then... He spends the rest of your life making you more like Christ. So you're saved by Christ. The Holy Spirit applies that saving work and saving power. But, but it's not done. It's not like you're, you just stop there. Then the rest of your life, the Holy Spirit makes you, makes me more like the Christ that saved us. That's the, the work of sanctification. And it's an ongoing process. It's always happening. It's always growing. It will be going on until we no longer need it. When we're finally made perfect, when we step in to that perfect eternal reality that is waiting for us, that we're just not caught up to yet. But on this side of eternity, we're a work in progress. But the key there is progress. It's continual. It's forward motion. 
Here's what God's word has to say about that fact, about that reality. Second Corinthians three seventeen and 18. Look at that with me. Second Corinthians three seventeen and 18. The apostle Paul writing and he, he says there, now the Lord is the spirit. And this is talking about the Holy Spirit. So there's a, a really good example of how the Holy Spirit is completely divine, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. He's applying the divine title Yahweh to the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it's kurios, but it's the same idea as the Old Testament Yahweh. And so Paul says, now the Lord is the Spirit, or you could say the Holy Spirit is Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You can say hallelujah to that. There's freedom. But here's the thing. Here's what I don't want you to to misunderstand about this. When Paul says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that, that is not freedom to live however we want or to do whatever we want. That's not what he's talking about. That's not the kind of freedom that's provided. That's not the kind of freedom that the Holy Spirit wants us to have and that he gives us. It's not not freedom to do whatever we want or be however we want or to say, that's just the way I am. We're not free to say that. It's freedom from just being the way that you are. That's what God provides. That's what the Holy Spirit, the spirit of freedom gives us. It's freedom from just being the way we are in our fallen, sinful human nature. We're free from that in Christ. We don't have to be at the mercy of our sinful, carnal nature any longer. We're free from it. Verse 18. We all, all believers, with unveiled faces are looking. This just gets so good. This gets so good. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. How awesome is that, church? So when we come to Christ, we're, we're placed in Christ, so we're placed in In a position of glory, we're given the very glory of the Lord at the moment of our salvation because the spirit of glory takes up residence in us. But he doesn't stop. He he works in us, transforming us moment by moment, day by day, year by year, from the initial glory we receive when we receive Christ, from that glory to greater glory and further glory. Until we are transformed into the same image of the Lord that we came to. And this is done all our life, and it's by the Holy Spirit that takes up residence in us. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? That's, that's what's true of you today if you're in Christ. It's what's true of you if you're in Christ. John Calvin said this about this, this reality that Paul wrote about here. He said... What a marvel that the image of God, which has been defaced by sin, may be repaired within us. Yet the great design of God is such that the progress of this restoration is continuous 
through the whole of life. That's what God does. He doesn't say, okay, I want you to get it all, all at once. I've given you my spirit. Now you just, I expect you to be perfect from this point on. I expect you to be there, already arrive at that, that final perfection point. No, he works on us here a little, there a little. This situation, that situation. This experience, that experience. He grows us gradually, constantly transforming us into the likeness of, the, of himself. But that doesn't mean that we don't participate in that. That doesn't mean that, that we don't have any responsibility to yield to that work, to yield to that transforming work. We do. It's about participation. God does the work. God does the transforming and the changing. But it's up to us to yield to that work, to cooperate with it, to participate in the work that the Spirit does. Here's what Galatians 5.16 tells us. The Apostle Paul there says, I say then, walk by the Spirit. See, that's where our choice comes in. That's where it's up to us. We have to willfully, willingly, intentionally choose, I'm going to walk by the Spirit. I'm going to participate with Him in that work of sanctification. I'm going to allow Him to do that transforming work. I'm not going to to allow obstacles to remain. I'm going to be open and free to Him so that He can make me free. Paul says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and here's the result of that, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Are you tired doing the same thing over and over again, believer? Are you tired with how easy it is for you to fall in the same sin trap again and again? Are you tired at being so weary in your walk with Christ? Are you tired of being so discouraged? Are you tired of being so easily defeated? Are you tired of that same old excuse? That's just the way I am. I can't help it. Well, the remedy for all of that is what Paul says here. You walk by the Spirit, you participate in His guiding of your life and molding of your life and transforming of your life, then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. It's cause and effect. You walk by the Spirit, you yield yourself to Him, you surrender to Him, you won't carry out the desires of the the flesh. Or, in other words of your human, sinful, fallen nature. And God intends for that action and result that Paul wrote about there in Galatians 5.16, God intends for that to be very, very practical. It's not just some theoretical concept. This isn't some philosophical thing. This walking by the Spirit and not carrying out the desire of the flesh, not yielding to your sinful nature, but rather to the Spirit, it's meant to be extremely practical. And here's the practical part of all that. Ephesians 4, 25-30. Ephesians 4, 25-30. This is the practical implication of what we just read from Paul in Galatians 5.16 about walking by the Spirit. Ephesians 4.25-30. I'm going to be reading this passage from the NLT, the New Living Translation. It really just does an excellent job of conveying the, the full weight and intention of what Paul wrote in this passage. 
Verse 25, Ephesians 4. The Apostle Paul writes this. So stop telling lies. <laughs> Remember, this is to believers. People who have the Spirit of God. People who can no longer pull the, that's just the way I am card. I can't help it. It's just my nature. That's who he's writing to. The people who have the very Spirit and power of God within them. So he says, to that church and to this church, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, that doesn't mean that that there's never a good time or a good a good time to be angry or a good example of being angry. Sometimes anger is proper. Sometimes God uses anger. Anger is an emotion like any other emotion. And like any emotion, it's what we do with it that determines whether it's good or bad. Anger can be a very good thing. When you see uh, sin in your life or in someone else's life, it's right and fitting and proper that we would be angry at our sin or at someone else's sin. When you see someone uh, uh, misused and abused and mistreated, it's right and noble. It's a God-given response to be angry at that when we see that. When there's true injustice, as God defines injustice going on, it's right to be angry at that. The key is not to sin in your anger. And the Apostle Paul here gives us an example of what that would look like. He says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for that's what gives the devil a foothold. Being angry in that way gives the devil a foothold because bitterness starts to set up. And, and we, go from, we, we quickly and easily go from a right anger response to a very wrong anger response. It's a very thin line. And, and let's be honest, a lot of the time... What we might excuse as, quote, righteous anger is very often unrighteous, self-focused anger. So that certainly is sinful. And that's what the Apostle Paul is writing about here. He's saying, for the believer, the one who has the Spirit of God, you don't have to say, well, I'm just an angry person. (laughs) I can't help it. I just get angry. That's just who I am. It's just in my nature. The way my dad was and his dad and his dad and his dad, it's hereditary. Can't help it. No, we don't have that excuse anymore if we're in Christ. Verse 28, if you are a thief, hey, here's an idea, quit stealing. (laughs) If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Man, why, why do you have that mouth on you? Don't you know Christ? Aren't, aren't you a Christian? Yeah. Well, why, why do you talk the way you do then? Oh, it's just the way I am. No. Apostle Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then verse 30. He sums all that up by saying this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, 
He has identified you as his own, guaranteeing, that's what the Holy Spirit is, he's a guarantee, that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And to do all that, to do all those things, to make that choice, to not do what might come naturally to us, and rather to do what is of the Spirit, to do all those things, along with everything else that God requires and desires of us, here's what I want you to to be aware of and to know. And I say it to myself too. You have everything you need. You have everything you need to do all that Paul is challenging us and the Holy Spirit through Paul in that passage, to resist and reject what does come naturally to us and rise above that, To say, no, I'm not going to do that sinful, natural, carnal thing any longer. I don't have to. I will yield to the Spirit in this area or or in that area. To do all those things and, and all that God desires for you and for me. Christian, we have everything we need. And here's how I know that. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. And I'm also reading this from the NLT. The Apostle Peter says this, verse 3. And I'll please focus in on this. I mean, if you've not heard much in this message up to this point, tune in to this, I beg you. Here's what he says. This is so vital, so key for all of us. By his divine power, God has given us Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself, which is why we come to him. And the only way we can come to him is if he calls us to himself. We we received all this by coming to to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence, not by anything glorious or excellent found in us. And verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises, like the incredible promises that we read In the beginning passage, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, I will give you a new heart. I will place my spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh that you may carry out all my ordinances and statutes. Promises like that. He's given us great and precious promises. These, continuing on here in verse 4, these are the promises. Don't miss this. This is... This is worth everything. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. All those things that come from just being the way you are. Wow! Don't, Christian, do you understand what this is saying? When you came to Christ, you received a share in the divine nature. God took you and, and me 
sinful, broken, fallen, helpless, hopeless people, and He ushered us in to partake in all that He has available to Him. All that He has available to Him in His divine nature, He has made available to you. How can you sit there and not jump up and down? I don't understand. You, you don't have to be the way you always have been. Neither do I. We have a share in the very divine nature of our maker. That doesn't mean we become God. That's not what I'm saying. What I, what I am saying, what Paul, or excuse me, um, Peter is saying here is God in his mercy and his grace has given us the full weight of his power constantly available in us every moment, every day of our lives while we're on this side of eternity, while we're on this side of perfection. We don't have to be at the mercy and at the whims of our own fallen nature anymore. That's the God we have. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to live the Christian life. Since we have access to the divine nature, we have the ability to live supernaturally. I want to read that. I'm going to say that again. Since we have access to the divine nature, and you, you heard it just a minute ago, it's not my belief, it's what the Word of God clearly, undeniably says. You've been given a share. He allows you to share in the divine nature to escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. So since we have access to the divine nature, we, all of us, have the ability to live supernaturally. We don't have to just be natural. Have you ever watched The Chosen show? Let me just see your hand so I know I'm... Yeah, good, good. The Chosen. What a show. What a show. Can't wait for season three. I wish it would hurry up. But in the, in the first season, and I, I mean one of the earlier episodes, Mary Magdalene is featured in the episode. And she meets Jesus. She has an encounter with Jesus. And her life is instantly and forever changed. Just turned upside down or right side up. And when people ask, what happened to you? How did this change happen? Who did this? And and what can you tell us about the one who did this for you? What can you tell us about this Jesus? She says, I don't have a lot of answers to give you. All I can say is this. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. That's the gospel. That's the reality that our God has made available to every single person that meets the Jesus that Mary Magdalene met. He's the same. It's the same Jesus. And every single one of us should be able to say that. That should be the banner over our lives. That should be what is undeniable about us. Not perfect, but consistent, continual, and increasing. It should be increasingly true of us. 
that we, we were one way, now we're another. And the thing that happened in between those two realities was and is him. Oh, may that mark our lives. May that mark my life. May that mark yours. It's available. It's up to us to apply what's been made available. Let's pray together. Father, we so often believe big, big lies. We hear them. We're inundated and bombarded by them. We tell them to ourselves. And many times our enemy doesn't even have to do that much. Many times we do his work for him. And he just sits back and watches as we tell ourselves lies and succumb to weakness that we don't have to. Father, we have heard, we've been reminded of by your word and by your spirit this morning that we don't have to do what comes naturally to us. We don't have to just be the way we've always been. We don't have to be the way our father was or our grandfather and his father and his grandfather. We don't have to bend towards what might come naturally, what we might be even genetically have a disposition toward. We don't have to do any of that. We've seen in your word today very clearly that we have been given the power, all the power, your power, To say, no, I'm not going to be the way I was. I'm going to be the way I am supposed to be in and through and for Christ who gave himself for me. May we all say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, because I have been crucified with Christ, I, the me I used to be, no longer lives. And yet I do live. I'm still alive. But the life I now live in the body... I live by or through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. May that be the cry of our hearts. May we be defined by who we are in your Son and by the power of your Spirit, not by anything else. Thank you for all you've made available. Thank you for the reality that you've given us. Thank you for all that you've allowed us to share in, though we could never deserve it. Help us to apply that every moment, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.